Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited that you're here and excited to dive into a Q&A today. Five listener questions. Uh, you know the drill. I've been having so much fun uh, putting out these Q&As and answering questions that you actually have. That's what makes me the most happy is when I'm able to put out information that people are... <laughs> legitimately interested in and wondering about. And uh, so these Q&As have been a lot of fun. Started doing these last year. You know, I would put things out on social media. Uh, if you're not following me, you know, I'm everywhere. Just look up Chris Gates Fitness, uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, and uh, I would ask people for questions for the Q&A. And kind of grew and grew and grew. And I got more and more and more questions that uh, now I don't even have to put out calls for questions most of the time because people just send them to me, which is really cool. So I got five more I'm excited to dive into today. As always, you know, I probably don't say this enough, but if, if you have a question, if you're listening and you have a question and you're uh, not sure about something that you want to do with your training program or your nutrition plan, if you're trying to lose weight or build muscle, get stronger, whatever it may be, if there's some question that you have and you want some advice from a coach, that's what I am and what I do and I would love to help. And honestly, I do put these podcast episodes out. Uh, I record them uh, a couple days before I publish them. So you're hearing this now. I probably recorded this yesterday or the day before. Um, so I'm answering questions that I literally got this past week. And if you have a question right now that you want answered in quite literally the next episode, all you got to do is reach out to me. Let me know what your question is, and I would be happy to add it to the mix for the next episode. So the five questions for today. Uh, question number one, when to uh, add weight to, let, let me start that over. When to add weight as opposed to reps or sets for the exercises that you're doing? Really interesting question going into the details of how to progressively overload, how to make sure that you're getting the most out of each and every exercise and each and every set that you're doing within each and every exercise, we'll dive into that. Question number two, if I can only lift two times per week, is it better to do two full body workouts or a body part split? Question number three, how to get over the fear of regaining weight that you've lost? This person that reached out to me, reached out to me has lost over 100 pounds, and uh, they're afraid of putting weight back on, which is completely underst uh, understandable when you put that much effort into trying to lose weight. Um, you know, you want to be able to continue to maintain the progress that you've made. So we'll dive into that. Question number four, what are the top three exercises for each muscle group? I'm going to dive into a bunch of my favorite exercises here on the podcast this week. And question number five, if I have a massive calorie burn day, you know, one of those days where you're just walking from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, or maybe you work a really physically demanding job, you're standing a lot, doing a lot of activities, maybe you're helping a friend move or something like that. Uh, should I increase calories or just keep things consistent? Really good question. Um, and one I think that I've personally probably screwed up uh, the answer to in the past. So we'll dive into those five questions here. Really quick before we do, if you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed. Um, my name's Chris. I am a coach. I work with people all over the world to build muscle, burn fat, develop healthy lifestyle habits. I, I'm an online fitness coach, and I'm super excited that you're here. And I want to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you can get these episodes every week and get the help that you need. And after you're done listening to this episode, or if you have listened to episodes in the past and you've found them helpful, uh, please take a second and leave a five-star rating and a review. That really helps 
this podcast reach more people. And that's my goal with the podcast. I kind of mentioned it at the beginning. I want to get the right information to people, help as many people as possible and help answer the questions that you and other people have. Um, So when you leave a rating, leave a review, leave positive feedback on the show, it helps more people get recommended to maybe, hey, try tuning in, listen and see if you like it. And uh, that would mean the world to me. So with all that said, let's dive into question number one, which is uh, when to add weight to an exercise as opposed to adding reps or adding sets to an exercise. And this is a really good question because you know there are a number of different ways that you can progressively overload your muscles. And progressive overload, let's define what that is first. It's, it's quite simply uh, the key to building muscle and uh, getting stronger and improving through strength training. Uh, If you want to build muscle, if you want to improve your body composition in that way, you need to make sure you're progressively overloading your muscles so that they are being more and more and more challenged over time because you have to continue challenging your body to adapt if you want it to actually adapt. You can't pick up 20, if you want to get bigger arms, you, you, you can't pick up 25 pound dumbbells do sets of eight to 10 forever with 25 pound dumbbells early on, that's a brand new novel stimulus. And that may help your biceps get a little bit bigger. But if you just keep lifting the same weight for the same reps for weeks and months and years on end, uh, that initial, you know, little bit of growth that you get will just plateau and you won't see any additional changes. Um, So you need to progressively overload in one of or a number of different ways. And The three things mentioned here are the three main ways that you can do it, right? You can add weight to an exercise so you can load the exercise heavier to see that you're getting stronger at it over time. That's a great way to progressively overload is add more weight. Um, You could also add more reps to an individual exercise. So that example I gave you, 25 pound dumbbells, eight to 10 reps, you could extend the rep range to eight to 12 reps. And then as time goes on, maybe you add a 13th rep or a 14th rep or a 15th rep. If you're adding additional reps, you are progressively overloading. You're increasing the workload. You're increasing the stimulus on that muscle group. Uh, And the last one is increasing sets. So, you know, if you're doing three sets of eight to 10 on bicep curls and next week you do four sets of eight to 10, well, you're progressively overloading because you are adding a whole entire set, uh, which will you know, obviously add more workload and add more stimulus once again to that muscle group. So progressive overload is necessary to build muscle. um, And there are a number of ways to do it. Now, when should you choose each one of those? That's where we kind of get into the details of self-coaching and figuring out what makes the most sense. And uh, that's why I'm super excited to answer this question, because it took me a really long time to figure this stuff out. Uh, But, you know, in general, there are some exercises that have a hot, what I call a higher strength potential than others. And what that means is there are some exercises that are just going to be inherently easier for you to add weight to than other exercises. And a comparison that I like to use is like the bench press and a lateral raise. So you think about a bench press, a bench press is a compound exercise what that means is multiple muscle groups are involved in moving the weight. So when you do a bench press, you're involving primarily your chest, your shoulders, and your triceps in the exercise to push that bar uh, up off your chest, up off your body. Um, and now, you know, if you want to get into even more of the details, really, if you're doing a bench press correctly, you're also 
squeezing your back, you're engaging your core, you're pushing your feet into the ground. And so it's really kind of a total body movement where there are a ton of muscles involved in you successfully and powerfully uh, pushing that bar, pressing that bar. Um, So since so many muscle groups are involved in performing that exercise, it's going to make it easier for you to add weight to it because you're getting a lot of help in order to to perform each rep. Uh, And with that being the case, when all of those muscle groups are involved, since you can more easily add weight, it's probably an exercise that you should focus primarily on trying to load it heavier and heavier over time. That's probably the best way to progressively overload a bench press. And if you think about it, you know, doing a bench press, just think about how taxing this would be. Doing a bench press for maybe, I don't know, uh, sets of four to six where you continually try to add five pounds each week. Uh, that sounds a lot more palatable than like continually adding more and more reps to a bench press and doing like 15, 20 rep sets of a barbell bench press. That sounds awful. That sounds exhausting. It sounds super fatiguing and taxing and terrible. So, um, the strength potential of exercises like that, like a compound exercise like the bench press, uh, is just so high that it makes more sense to add weight. So for those types of exercises, compound exercises, I would say probably think about at trying to add weight first. Um, whereas, you know, okay, let's take the other part of that example, lateral raise. If you're not familiar with that, what that exercise is, that's the one where you have two, a dumbbell in each hand, your arms down at your sides, and you're raising your arms out to the side. It's working uh, the lateral delt. It's a, it's a small deltoid muscle on the outside of your shoulder. Um, and that is really a great I guess, exact opposite of what we're talking about with the bench press. Bench press, you have all those muscles involved in moving the weight. With a lateral raise, you are targeting one small individual muscle in your body. So inherently, the strength potential of that exercise is going to be far, far lower, meaning it's going to be really hard for you to get super strong at doing lateral raises because it's a small muscle it, it's not. It's only going to be able to handle so much weight. So for an exercise like that, and that would be called an isolation exercise, where you're isolating one muscle or one muscle group, um, I typically say, okay, then we should go to either adding reps or adding sets to your routine to try and progressively overload that muscle. Um, and other, you know, examples of isolation exercises could be a bicep curl because you're isolating the biceps, uh, maybe like a tricep push down, you're isolating the triceps. Um, those are those are some good ones, you know, rear delt flies or face pulls where you're targeting the rear delt. Those are all smaller muscles that uh, you're working, you're isolating those with one individual exercise. And since they're smaller muscles, you're only going to be able to curl or lateral raise or rear delt or face pull so much weight. Um, so, you know, for a lateral raise, if you're doing that, like how many people do you see in the gym doing lateral raises with 50 pound dumbbells? Probably nobody, unless there's like a a professional bodybuilder that works out in your gym. Uh, and that person's probably on steroids and that's why they can do it. Uh, generally speaking, you know, to do a lateral raise with proper form and technique, you're going to be needing to use lighter dumbbells. And so, 
with that being the case, if you add reps to those ex- the sets of the, that exercise, um, you're going to be able to progressively overload effectively uh, without you know getting into a situation where you're lifting too much weight, you're ego lifting, you're using a ton of momentum, your form and technique turn into shit, and you you stop even targeting the muscle that you're actually trying to target because you're throwing your whole body into the exercise. Um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So when we're talking about when to add weight as opposed to when to add reps or add sets, that's the general basis of where I think you should start. If you're doing a compound exercise, you could probably look at weight first. If you're doing an isolation exercise, you could probably look at reps first. And then sets is an interesting one because um, you could kind of tack sets on to either weight or reps. Um, But I would say like, Adding sets, again, if we go to look at the fatigue of an exercise, adding more and more sets of a bench press as opposed to more and more sets of a lateral raise, it's going to really, really get you tired and fatigued if you're doing five or six sets of heavy bench press every workout. You know, that's that's hard to do. So if you do bench press first, you're totally drained and then you have no energy to put in the rest of your workout. Well, then that wasn't smart. That wasn't efficient. But you could do five sets of lateral raises and be like, hey, my laterals, my lateral delts really feel tired and they're 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 burning and they're pumped. But like it's not gonna impact much of the other work that you're going to do in that workout. You know what I mean? It's not going to totally fatigue your entire body. Um, so I tend to lean towards adding sets to the less fatiguing exercises as well. Um, but they can't, that can be applied to, to any uh, exercise as long as you're doing it logically. So uh, hopefully that is helpful to help you understand when to add weight, when to add reps, when to add sets. Um, and, uh, like I said, that's something I got wrong a lot, <laughs> a lot early in my lifting career. Um, and, uh, hopefully that will help you not make the mistakes that I made. All right. Question number two, if I can only lift two times per week, is it better to do two full body workouts or a body part split? Uh, really another great question here and diving into the details of program design. So if you are limited to two days a week, um, you know, that's inherently limiting. It was what it is. You, you have a, a small amount of time that you need to maximize in your exercise program. And I would say, generally speaking, now there's always going to be personal differences here where like one or the other may make more sense to you depending on what your situation is. Generally speaking, though, I would say doing two full body days is probably going to benefit you more than doing a body part split. If you're listening and you don't know what a body part split is, um, it basically means like you're splitting up the muscle groups and do working out some of the muscle groups in one workout and some of the muscle groups in another. So for two days a week, that could look like an upper body day and a lower body day. Oftentimes you'll see uh, body part splits for people that are working out more days of the week, more than two days of the week. So people that do like four days of strength training a week, you may see upper, lower, upper, lower. Um, I do five days a week and it's kind of all over the place for, for me, but I do, I do do a split. Um, but you know, you'll see people like for five day split do, um, push, pull, lower body day, and then an upper body day and another lower body day. Um, so that's that's what a split is. 
And I think, you know, no, knowing that you only have two days a week to work out, uh, the the best thing in my mind that you could probably do is two full body workouts because the, then you're getting um, the opportunity to hit each muscle group twice. And from a lot of the research that we have about, you know, strength development and building muscle and improving your body composition, you're almost always going to see better benefits better results from hitting the same muscle group multiple times a week. So two times a week. Um, so that's a big feather in the cap of doing two full body days. And also, you know, if you were doing a split day where you had an upper body day and a lower body day, knowing that like on your upper body day, that's the only day of the week that you get to hit all of the upper body muscle groups, you're just going to probably have to do so much work in that session that it's going to be exhausting and it's going to be draining and halfway through the workout, you're just going to stop getting effective work completed. You know what I mean? Like if you have to hit the chest, the shoulders, the triceps, the back, the biceps, the traps, where are you going to fit in abs or abs a part of that too? Like you're, you may be doing eight, nine, 10 different exercises and that's a lot to do in one day. And, and so I think like rather than trying to fit so much work because you know you're only going to hit that part of your body once why don't we do two full full body days? And then when we do two full body days, let's focus on compound exercises so that we're really getting the biggest bang for your buck in terms of you know return on investment of your time. So when you're doing two full body days, make sure in each day that you're doing a pressing exercise, a rowing exercise, a squatting exercise. Because if you're doing a pressing exercise, boom, chest, shoulders, and triceps. You got those knocked off the list. If you do a rowing exercise, back and biceps, you're gonna be targeting both of those with that. Then if you're doing a squatting exercise, you'll hit primarily quads, but it's also gonna involve part of your glutes and part of your hamstrings. So right there, three exercises, you've hit every muscle group in some way. Now, obviously, with those those exercises or those movement patterns, you've focused more directly on some muscle groups and less on the others, but that that could be a great place for you to get started. So if you do like a, a dumbbell chest press, um, a dumbbell row, and a goblet squat, so that's going to hit every muscle group in your body for the most part, then you can, after those three exercises, maybe do a little bit of isolation work where if you want to bring up your biceps or your triceps or um, work on your hamstrings or your glutes, you can add in a couple exercises to isolate those muscle groups. So you start with the compound exercises, polish everything off, and then hone in more specifically on different muscle groups that you want to isolate. And the cool thing about doing two full body days a week is that maybe those isolation exercises change. So day one of your total body workout routine, um, you hit the compounds and maybe you isolate the your arms. So you do some extra bicep and tricep work. And then maybe maybe on the, the second total body day, you want to bring up your quads and your glutes. So then you do a little extra isolation work for the quads and the glutes. And uh, it could be a nice way to balance things out, keep things you know interesting while also uh, training as effectively as you possibly can. I think that's probably the best way to go. Um, and yeah, I, 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 it just seems much more palatable than a split and uh, much more efficient and effective than a split. Question number three, how to get over the fear of regaining weight that you've lost? This person said, I've lost over 100 pounds. Uh, so first and foremost, congratulations on losing over 100 pounds. That's unbelievable. Um, that is a 
complete and total transformation. You are a completely different person now than you were back then. And uh, I, you know, say that because I, I actually want you to lean into what I just said. You are a different person now than you were back then. That's important because you need to understand over the course of losing all that weight that you lost, you probably learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. For somebody to lose that much weight, you know, it's one thing for somebody to go on like keto and lose 30 pounds uh, in a month and a half, um, but then plateau. You know, that's not what you did. Like, obviously, what you did was find creative ways to keep the progress moving in the right direction so that you could lose a massive amount of weight. So you probably learned a lot of things about energy balance, about being in a calorie deficit and what that means for how your body loses fat. You probably learned a lot about what's sustainable for you from a diet perspective. Uh, You probably, at the same time, Token learned a lot about what is sustainable for you from an exercise perspective, from your workout program. Um, And you were able to, like I said, lose a tremendous amount of weight. And what I would say is how to get over that fear is that you need to lean into that you are a different person now and you have such a uh, humongous knowledge base on what it takes to do what you've done and you need to apply that to maintaining what you what you've done, what you've achieved, the progress that you've made. There is no like easy way to answer this question and say like, oh, we'll do X, Y, and Z, and then you won't be afraid anymore. Yeah, you're gonna. I mean, you have to understand that you're gonna be afraid of probably gaining all that weight back for the rest of your life because you put it on, you didn't want to have it, and then you lost it, and you you achieved something amazing. But I think like in any other form of life, like. You know, if you make some type of transformation or you do something big, you'll look back on it and be like, well, man, I just don't want to go back to, to, to where I was. I'll tell you, like from a business perspective, I've grown my coaching business uh, to be something pretty sustainably, you know, effective. Uh, I've helped a lot of people. I, 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 you know, I'm able to support my family with it. But I'll tell you at the same time, like I think multiple times a week about how afraid I would be if it all just went away. You know, but but I don't let that happen because I've built my business to a point where I know what I need to do to keep helping people, to keep reaching people, and to keep growing the business. And so, like, it's if you if you flip that over to your weight loss transformation, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I have a very hard time believing that you will gain that weight back because you are asking the right questions, you've done the right things, and you know the work that that you have to put in and the attention to detail that you have to have in order to do what you've done. So you just need to continue to apply that to maintenance. Now, with all that said, I totally get that fear and the emotions involved and 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 that's completely normal and natural um and, and what you should understand is that when you transition into a maintenance phase so you've lost the weight that you want to lose you're transitioning into maintenance and uh you just want to you know more or less stay about the same as you are now you have to understand that like inherently there's going to be fluctuations with that and maintenance for you doesn't mean to need you stay at the exact same weight that you see on the scale today. Um, Maintenance is a really cool thing because you could look at it uh, over the course of three months or six months or a year. Personally, I know that I like to be at or around a specific body weight 
but I, I do it in different phases where part of the year I'm actually focused on slowly gaining weight so that I can build more muscle and strength. And then I'll have phases of the year where I slowly cut back on body fat, where I try to lose a little bit of weight, but maintain that progress that I made earlier in the year. And so when you break it out for the year, I, I, I end up really being the same weight, but hopefully my body composition continues to improve and I'm okay with seeing the scale go up periodically because of that. You know, inherently, if you're even eating at what is quote unquote, your maintenance calories, you may see your weight fluctuate two to five to seven pounds just because of water weight or things like that. And uh, you don't want to be in this situation where you're so obsessed with being at one specific weight that you don't allow yourself to enjoy life and go out and have a fun weekend and understand that it didn't ruin your progress because you can just cut back on calories a little bit the next week and be completely fine. So, um, you know, that's a lot of different angles of this discussion, but how to get over the fear of regaining the weight that you've lost. I don't know that you'll ever totally get over that fear, but if you're mindful of it, that's going to point you in the right direction because I, I've already said this a bunch, but like you've done something amazing. You know what it took to do that. You found a way to lose a tremendous amount of weight and sustain it to this point. You just need to put that attention to detail into the process moving forward and understand that the scale is not everything. It's going to go up and down and that's okay. And you can have different phases where, you know, you maybe gain a little and that doesn't mean everything is going to spin off the rails or you did anything wrong. Question number four, what are the top three exercises for each muscle group? Uh, this is a fun question, and I'm going to uh, try and run through the whole body and hit the major ones and uh, see how it all plays out. So uh, let's start from top to bottom. So we'll go with the chest. The best three exercises, in my opinion, for chest starts with the barbell bench press. If you can't do a barbell bench press, dumbbell bench press is great. Um, you know, it's going to allow you again, back to what we talked about progressive overload at the beginning of the episode, it's going to allow you to most effectively add weight. So I really like the barbell bench press. After that, I like some type of incline press. Uh, the barbell press is going to hit the, the major part of your pec. There's an upper part of your pec that you can more closely isolate with an incline press. So that's why I like that one. And then the third one for chest, I love cable crossovers. I absolutely love, you could also do a dumbbell fly, but something that's really getting a stretch on the chest at the bottom and then really contracting those pec muscles. Uh, you know, when you bring the cables together, I absolutely love the one, the way that one feels. And I've seen a lot of progress with it, especially lately. I've actually been trying to, um, prioritize uh, my chest. I've done some chest specialization cycles with my programming uh, and seen some some good results from it. Uh, and, and I credit a lot of that to the, the fly work that I've done with cables. So those are my top three for chest. Next, let's go to shoulders. I think some type of shoulder press uh, is going to be best. So I really like uh, a dumbbell shoulder press. Um, you could do it seated or standing. And then, uh, you know, we can't do that, but then not pay attention to the other deltoid muscles. So dumbbell lateral raises are really, really good, as well as dumbbell rear delt flies. If you do those three exercises, you're going to target all angles of your shoulder, and you'll be in a pretty good spot. Uh, for triceps, I don't really have like a top three. I just have the two movement patterns that you should be doing. You should do some type of push down or press down, and then some type of overhead extension. What it, you can choose to do those with like, you know, dumbbells or cables, whatever you want to do. If you're doing a push down and an overhead extension, uh, you're going to get the very most out of your tricep training for back 
For back, I'm gonna go kind of in that same direction again. I really like to focus on just movement patterns. So I think everybody should be doing some type of vertical pull down, some type of horizontal row, and then some type of row from the floor. Um, so any type of lat pull down that you wanna do, you could do with the bar, you could do it with a machine, you could do one arm, both arms, whatever you wanna do, some type of lat pull down. Uh, a horizontal row is normally like a, a seated row on the cable machine or a chest supported row. Either one of those is good. And then some type of pull from the floor. I really like the one arm dumbbell rows where you're supporting yourself on a bench or something like that and rowing with the other arm. Those are the three that I would do for, for bicep or for, excuse me, for back. Um, when we go to biceps, uh, I kind of like the bread and butter stuff. I actually really like cable curls for biceps. So, you know, when you're holding on to a bar that's on the cable machine, because when you're at the bottom, it can really effectively stretch your bicep at the bottom. And then, I don't know, something about that movement pattern of curling it all the way up to the top with so much resistance as you have to lower it back down. I absolutely love that. Um, and then I'm not, not going to go three with biceps either. Um, because I, I don't know, I don't feel like it's not that necessary. You're already hitting the biceps so much with your pulling exercises that I just normally toss in like two different biceps uh, isolation exercises. The other one that I like is an incline curl where you're sitting on a bench and you slightly, uh, you know, if, if you had the seat all the way up, straight up and down, slightly lean it back and then do curls from a seated position with your back on uh, you know, the, the, the back of the bench. Um, since it's slightly leaned back, what you're going to notice is that with your arms hanging down, they're actually going to be slightly behind your torso. Uh, and with that being the case, it's going to put your bicep in a more stretched position at the bottom. And that weighted stretch is really important for muscle growth. So I really like incline curls uh, because of that. So let's see. I think that hits everything for upper body, the major muscle groups. As far as abs go, once again, I don't have a top three. I have a top two. I like to do just movement patterns. Again, uh, I like to do something where I'm crunching weight down. So one that I really like is this rope crunch where you use the rope attachment on the cable machine, you know, put down a yoga mat or whatever. You kneel on the yoga mat, you hold the, the rope behind your head and you crunch the weight down. You think about bringing your forehead down to your hips and really squeeze your abs. I like that a lot. And then I also, on the flip side, so we're crunching down, then I also like some type of leg raise or knee raise. So hanging knee raises or hanging neck, leg raises um, are a good one as well. And I feel like those two movement patterns, people really overdo it with ab training. I feel like if you're doing those two movement patterns with abs, uh, you're going to be just fine. You're going to get really good results from it. Um, okay, quads. So quads, squ it all starts with squats. You should be doing some type of squat. Um, beyond that, you should be doing some type of lunge. Uh, that's going to help you isolate those quads. It's also going to help you just work on core stability and strength and functional strength. Think about all the situations where you have to get get up or get down and um, you know, you're in that lunge position. I think lunges are really important. And then I love leg extensions just because I'm able to isolate my quads really good with those, get a really big pump, really big burn. Uh, I really like leg extensions. Uh, let's see. For hamstrings, I'm a huge fan of deadlifts. So it would start with deadlifts. 
Um, and then, you know, that's a barbell deadlift. That's a hip hinge. Uh, I probably only have two for, for hamstrings on this one because the other one that I would recommend is a seated leg curl. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you're doing a hip hinge and then some type of bend at the knee, like a, like a leg curl, again, you're going to be getting everything out of your hamstring training that you want. Those deadlifts are also going to target the glutes. Uh, so that's going to help target that area. And I guess the last one is calves. And uh, I think calves are bullshit. So <laughs> I don't know. Do whatever you want. I can't grow my calves for whatever reason. Calves seem to be a very genetically determined muscle group. And I do not have good calf genetics. So I just do standing calf raises and pray to God that one day uh, I'll actually have calves. But it hasn't happened yet. I'm 35. I'm almost 36. And I just fear that I'll never have calves and I'll die sad and calfless. But. Um, We'll see what happens. All right, fifth and final question. If I have a massive calorie burn day, should I increase calories or just keep things consistent? All right, this is a great question. This is one that I have thought about in the past many, many years ago, screwed up in the past many, many years ago, um, and let's break it down. So I totally get like the theory of this where it's like you did a lot of physical labor or something like that. You had a very active day walking around all day. Maybe you're at like Disney World with the family and you walked 20,000 steps, uh, or you helped a friend move or something like that. Um, the, when that happens, you're inclined to think like, well, I burned so many more calories today. I had to because of how much I moved. Um, so because of that, I've earned, you know, like a huge dinner tonight or, or a bunch of beers or something like that. And I, I, I understand that. If you do have a day like that and it's way outside the norm, did you burn more calories almost Certainly, yes, you did. Um, I still always go back to the fact, though, that you, pr I mean, well, first of all, we, you don't know how many calories you burned. You may have a watch or a phone that estimates it for you. Those estimations are wrong. They're wildly inaccurate. And, um, you know, being that that's the case, that they're so inaccurate, uh, it, it's it's hard for me or for you or for anybody to say exactly how many calorie extra calories you did burn. And so you don't know how many extra calories you did burn. So then, okay, how many extra calories should you add to your diet? It's a very slippery slope. And normally when people have this thought or this question, you rationalize it, you end up like binging. You, you eat a shit ton of food and uh, take what was maybe an extra 500 calories and turn it into 1500 calories that you eat and drink. And obviously that's not productive. Uh, I also don't like focusing on calories burned at all. I don't think it's, you know, I think it just equates movement with food rewards. And I don't think that that's helping anybody where you're like, well, I moved a bunch. I, I, I got, I got this whole new opportunity to live life and eat food. Like you don't have to live life or you don't have to burn calories to live your life and eat food and have fun. You can just like balance things throughout the week make it work, make it flexible. It could be fine. Um, so I, you know, I really, am just not a big fan of the focusing on calories burn thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you almost certainly, if that's outside of the norm, you almost certainly burned, uh, a, a, a few hundred additional calories. And, you know, I would say you're, what you do in this situation could depend, um, on, on what your goals are and what you want to do in general. I would say just keep things consistent. Just keep doing what you're doing, especially if you have a weight loss goal. If you have a weight loss goal and you moved a bunch today, like way more than you normally do, hey, that's like 
a benefit, right? You had a really active day that's going to work you towards your goals. Don't you dare fill fill the the calories back in with food like you know you're trying to lose weight so no keep things consistent you don't need to eat more or reward yourself or anything like that you have a goal keep doing what you're doing keep things consistent if you're trying to maintain or if you're trying to build muscle um i would still say just like keep things consistent it's one day it's one day where you burned a few hundred extra calories and if you extrapolate that across the week or across the month like it's it's like half a percent of your calories burned for the, you know, so it's not even going to make a dent. Uh, could you have another small snack or maybe have a beer? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess you can. Um, but it's probably not necessary. It's probably not productive. And if you do it once, if you do this once, you're just going to encourage yourself to continue to do it more and more and more. And if you do it more and more, you're going to find more ways to justify why you should be able to eat extra calories because you quote unquote earned it by helping a friend move or something something like I don't know I just don't think that that's a, a good habit of behavior to develop so in general I would say just keep things consistent it's one day um, it's not really gonna make a, a huge difference either way but if you have a weight loss goal and you lucked out into moving a lot like just keep especially if that's the case keep going keep doing what you're doing because that's gonna work you towards the goal that you have Uh, So I hope that's helpful. And I hope all these answers were helpful. Um, I had a lot of fun putting it together for you. I always love doing the podcast here every week. And I'm looking forward to the next episode. So like I said at the beginning, if you have a question and uh, you want it answered on the next episode of the podcast, reach out to me anywhere. I'm on every social media platform that you can find uh, at Chris Gates Fitness. And, uh, you know, let's touch base and you can send me your question and I'll be sure to throw it into the next episode. So uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you again soon.